Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. Uh, we've got the full crew today. I've got Marilyn. Hey, guys. What's up? I couldn't ask Elliot because he was laughing too hard. And Elliot. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. It's really exciting to have all of us here to talk about where the real gains are made. And today, we're going to spend basically the entire episode talking about our favorite thing, training. Woohoo. <laughs> Specifically, we're going to talk defining about defining training, defining training, getting into how to pace your training workouts and really like what and what that actually feels like when you're in the meat of the workout. So, yeah, we're going to talk a bit about like training zones and and how we use them and RPE and really, yeah, just uh, dive into the weeds here on, on some definitions and how you should feel about those definitions to kick things off. Um, I want to hear a, a definition, which these guys don't know I'm going to ask them this. So here we go of, of what you think sweet spot is. Oh, Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought I'd throw a nice curveball right off the bat. Uh. <laughs> Marilyn, you're welcome to go first. Right? Sweet spot. But that's like a new term that just popped up over the last like couple of years, I feel like. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. I'm like, when did this one pop up? I think the main thing we were talking about even before is like, first of all, like there's a million names for the same thing. So we're, we're really going to dive into like what those sensations are for each one of these things that, you know, it's like, okay, I want you to go do this effort on this workout. And this is what we're trying to get out of your body today uh, to get the training effect. We need to get better and go faster in our races. And so that's the most important thing an athlete needs to know, right? Like it's, here's your workout. This is what we're trying to train today. And we use a lot of different terms to define what it is that we're trying to get out of you that day. And everybody needs to be speaking the same language and interpret it the same way so that you get the actual training effect that is, is required out of you that day. So with all of these terms and definitions, so that's got to be clear up front. And that's why we laugh at something like sweet spot, which would also be called tempo, which might also be called zone three, right? So there's all and these I, things. I want you to know that 1999 Let's Run message boards would call that junk miles. All right. Or medium, <laughs> right? So there's yeah. like all mm -hmm. kinds of words, but the most important thing as a coach is that what you're thinking as a coach that you're trying to get this athlete to do to get the training effect out of them, that the athlete then understands what that means. And then most importantly, where we're going with this podcast is what it feels like, right? They got to know what it feels like and what that equates to in numbers in terms of the data and all of that stuff. So to answer your original question, sweet spot. I think in terms of triathlon and specifically long course triathletes, sweet spot is if I said to you, you're going to go hold this effort for 90 minutes or longer. And I finished and you said that was pretty hard. I could still kind of talk, but not really. But now I'm going to ask you to keep going another hour. You probably could. Um, so to me, that is. You're not going so hard that you're gasping for air and you couldn't actually turn to the person and talk. Um, you're still in good rhythm. You can still have control. You could still keep going if you had to. So all of those things, but it's not so easy that you're, you know, on a coffee ride and chatting away and, you know, you're, you're putting some work in and there's some concentration required. So that's, that would be my definition in terms of feel for that. I think I would go, if I'm going to go technical definition, I'm going over 70% of heart rate reserve and under like 80%. Right. 
Right. See, another um, there's another term for the same thing. But that so that would be using heart rate, and then you could probably do the the same thing um, if you're going to go like power and and threshold of power. You might be in the same zone, except maybe it'd be more like 75 to 80% of threshold power or FTP, if you want to call it that. And for, I mean, for, if you're not doing Ironman stuff and you're doing more Olympic distance stuff, or, or let's say you're doing 10 K running, um, sweet spot is, is like I started originally as a runner and, and that would be what people would call junk miles. Your, it would be your run is too hard to be easy, but it's not hard enough that you're touching on any sort of threshold and you're not getting close to, um, anaerobic threshold or aerobic threshold, whatever you want to call that definition. So I would say that's kind of where we'd start. And I don't think, I mean, I'm saying the word junk miles and there's a lot of places where sweet spot is not effective. Um, but in long course triathlon, there's a whole bunch of times where you might want to be doing that because it turns out sweet spot correlates pretty well also to maybe Ironman effort, um, which is yet another definition. So Jesse, did we define enough for you? (laughs) This is why it gets so confusing, right? That's why people like the athletes, like how hard do you want me to go today? And we got to make sure we're all on the same page. It's purple. No, it's blue. No, it's black. Oh, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with a guy the other day. We were talking about FTP and or thresholds. I'm going to call those kind of interchangeable terms. It, it, I know that like they mean different things in the lab, but somewhat inter- interchangeable. Um, and he was like, well, I feel like that's like the power I can hold for 90 minutes. Oh, good Lord. And I was like, wow. Like, I mean, but I guess it's just like, well, if that's how you always use it, then if you ride at like, you know, it, it, I guess it's fine if he always uses it in his head the same, right? So if he's going over threshold and it's power, he can hold for an hour. Like, you, you know, you can use that definition any way you want to is like, as long as you're still, again, like what Marilyn was saying earlier, like using things appropriately to attack the right energy systems. But like, that's not what I would call, or I think most of the world would call like threshold, right? It's like kind of right around that hour mark is, um, yeah. And, and in the lab, die. we always use, like, I use the term 40 K if we're looking at cycling, because a lot of people do a 40 K in about an hour. But if you look in the lab, depending it's, it's really like people also use like four millimoles of lactate because the average person that's about where they're clearing lactate at the same rate that they're producing it. But certain people that number's a little lower and certain people that number's a little higher, um, in, in the lab four is, is, is closer to standard. Um, whereas that 60 minutes plus or minus a bit, it really, it could be 40. So your FTP actually could only be your max for 47 minutes and someone else it could be 64 minutes if you're going by like the technical definition. But for most of us do, do, well, do you guys kind of like think of an hour all out as what that means? Or is that just me? So yeah, in, in cycling for sure. If, if I was going to like, and I know we're kind of using FTP thresholds, but if I was going to like change that to a different sport, I think duration would probably go down. Like, Even for running. Cause for running for me, I still think of that, like depending on the runner, that might be a 10 K all the way up to a half marathon. So yeah, I, I think record. of it more of like that 10 K to like, maybe, maybe a little longer, depending on like if the runners are like considerably faster, but mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of, I think of like hitting that, that point a little bit sooner in running than I do in cycling. Um, like, I, what do you mean by that? Like the, the, the threshold speed, like your, the distance you can hold it is shorter. Yeah. The time like I can you, hold it. 
Oh, I, th- for, I me, think- for me, it'd be the same. I'm at, so Maryland, what about yourself? Cause for me, sw- swimming as well. Like when I think of threshold, it's the same. It's just for, for swimming. So many people don't have enough yardage and the technique that almost like what I consider like aerobic is also FTP because people don't have enough base of swimming. You have to be a pretty great swimmer to be able to swim harder than all out for an hour. Right. Yeah, I think I think the important thing for athletes and coaches to know that are listening to this is that each one of these energy systems and zones are very, very clear when it comes to, let's say we're just looking at the numbers in a lab and where these breaking points are. So where a person's aerobic and they're using fat as a primary fuel source and where they break into, you know, different, like you were talking about, Elliot, you know, the different production of lactate, these, those there is no question when it comes to what's actually happening in the testing in the lab and in your body for each person. What we need to make sure of is that whatever definition you're using and whatever sensation the athlete is getting is, is producing that, that amount of work, you know, that, that, um, you know, they're staying aerobic, they're staying in the fat burning zone so that they're not like, that's the most common mistake one, right. Is that people go a little bit too hard so that they understand that that definition is what that means. Number one, and then what those sensations are, because someone would be like, I am going aerobic. And so like, well, no, you're not actually, if we, if we pinpricked you right now and put it under a lactate test, you're actually, you know, you've broken into a little bit of sugar burning and you're also at a little bit higher lactate and you're actually not in that zone anymore. So really what we're after is that clearly we know when it comes to the actual numbers and data, those, those are clear. There is no confusion there. What is confusing in our world is how many names there are for these different efforts and between the athlete and the coach, or even if you're self-coach, you need to really know what that name is what that is attached to in terms of effort and then what that feels like. So you understand what it is you're training that day. So if you're saying, well, we're going to go 40 K effort or one hour effort, someone who's relatively inexperienced or is a little bit, you know, maybe not a strong athlete, they're not going to be able to go threshold for an hour. They're just not strong enough to do it. And so you're going to want to say, well, you know, we're not actually attacking that energy system anymore. They're probably going to end up going tempo, really, if you prick their finger at the end of it. A very experienced athlete and someone who really knows how to crush themselves, you know, they are going to be able to do an hour for power or 40K TT, and their lactate level at the end of it is truly going to be hitting that energy system. So it's knowing like what level of athlete you're also working with to be able to produce the effort that you want to get that training effect that day. Does that, that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I never got to give my sweet spot definition. Oh yeah. We just ran over you. I just, I wanted to to roll back a little bit just because it is slightly different. Um, but I do agree with everything you just said. I I didn't mean to take that point away. Let's hear Um, it, Jesse. Tell us. So I, I would define sweet spot much closer to threshold, much more of like that 88 to like 93% in there that really, really just percent of what? Percent of FTP or percent of threshold. So, so you're talking about specifically power. Because um, those, because yeah, because your heart rate yeah, necessarily yeah. would not would not be in the same zone. I move I move heart rate a little lower. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, like yeah. whatever, like ninety. Well, so I then mean, what what metric would you use if you were doing running? Would you um, use heart rate to to do that, or would you try to use pace as a percentage of race pace? 
I'd use pace. Yeah. And do you want to give me? A, could you mind giving me an example? I'm curious. I'm curious now. So let's say I would. Let's say your 10k PR is 37. So six so, minute pace. Like yeah, you can run sixes. Then I might say okay, like I want you to be running more like 615s, 620s, something that's like a little slower, a little more manageable, maybe 625s, like, but still is pretty hard. Sounds you, suspiciously like something you could hold for an hour, not 50 minutes. I'm just giving you a hard time because a, a couple minutes ago you were saying you feel like the right, running is more we're like talking 50 about, minutes. We're talking about sweet spot though. We're not talking about threshold. Oh. So I would call threshold closer oh, to you that win. 10K. All right, so I stand you, down. You I stand back. You proved proved, my point. Yeah, I proved your point. Okay. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, so and then, Jesse's running sweet spot is what Elliot calls running threshold and it all gets the same work done. Yeah, exactly. But that's just it. Like if I gave my athlete a workout, they would need to know Jesse's definition versus Elliot's, which is kind of what we are all talking about here is like having that lingo down that you're using is making sure that everyone you are talking to understands that because then I would put tempo underneath that. I would say tempo is like easier than sweet spot. It's like 75 to 85 or whatever. And like, so I'd kind of layer them like that, like tempo 75 to 85, like threshold would be like 86, 87, 88 to like 92. And then once you're above that, like 92, 95, you're getting like basically into, into that threshold range. Like, um, so that's kind of how I would layer them. That makes sense. My favorite part about the word tempo, this is just an aside is Erica had a swim coach who uses the word tempo to essentially mean 200 all out swim. So I still use that. So I'm like writing in tempo, but then I'm writing in a swim that essentially means all out sprint for a 25 or a 50. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. You're just, for the listener, Jesse, just give me a very funny look. And I'm well aware because this makes no sense. <laughs> um, but this is just the, the dying. I mean, this is the language, right? So. And I do think swimming is tough. Like kind of what you're saying earlier, like you have to have that gearbox, right? You have to be able to have different speeds and in swimming and even for some athletes in running that that pace differential between aerobic tempo sweet spot threshold is so they're so close together in the pool and like i said for some athletes it can be running too that that having all these different zones for for a very tight range is is just overload where you know that's where it might be better to say okay for a while we're going to step back and just go like like either easy or hard or easy, moderate, hard until the athletes strong enough to have some variation in there. Oh, that's a good point. Do, do you guys tend to use more zones or ranges or more definitions, the faster someone gets or, or not really, is it for the same for everyone? You definitely. No, I definitely like a beginner. I try and keep things as simple as possible. It's like, we're either going to go easy, medium or hard today. And then we don't make it any more complicated than that. And I even like for a long time, I prefer like, let's not have any power meter. Let's not have any heart rate, anything like that. Like once you learn what that feels like, then we start to introduce something that they can compare it to. I've heard other coaches say that the more beginner someone is, the information, if you give them everything up front, it helps them learn those sensations and understand them better. And they actually, the learning curve is quicker. And I have seen that with some athletes. However, most of the time, with developing athletes and developing zones and feel, I feel like you're better off to, to incrementally introduce 
um, more ranges as they develop ranges and feels and, um, and more information as they develop. It's kind of, I think of it as a kid, like you wouldn't take a six-year-old to a rave, you know, you wait till at least they're like 21. Cause it's just like too much going on. Um, <laughs> I've got to make some phone calls. I've got to cancel my weekend plans. <laughs> right. It's like little bits, little bits. Um, so, so yeah, my answer to that, Elliot is definitely, yeah. You know, can I, can I modify my answer? Yeah. Is that I have some athletes that have smart trainers right off the go. And so there it's really easy for me to get super specific. And then I can introduce things pretty early on and we can talk about like what's going on. And, you know, I can write the workouts as 88% of their threshold. So then I can say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And, but there I'm taking complete control of their effort. So like, it's kind of a different situation where, um, or, you know, we and, and you're using, you've done an FTP test and you're using that as their base, as their guideline. Yeah. Yeah. Let's assume we've done an FTP test and we've got a pretty good handle on that. And I can say, okay, like you're now you're going to ride at exactly threshold. Then I can type in 100%. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's slightly, slightly different on that day because of whatever, but then they're doing exact FTP work. And then, you know, then hopefully that can help them develop that field down the road, kind of like Marilyn was saying, but I feel like that's a different situation because I have complete control of their power. Yeah. I definitely do that with those trainer workouts as well. And it, you know, it helps people figure out like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Where it gets tricky though. And I think we should acknowledge this is that obviously with multi-sport and training load is what feels like sometimes, you know, I've had athletes say this feels really hard today because they're tired. Right. But you still want them to give it 88% that day. However, the, they might not quite get there or say, you know, there's, there's different times when fatigue becomes a factor and it interferes with the sensation that they're giving and what we're trying to get out of that day, or maybe even freshness comes into play. It's like, well, they're a little too eager today and they're going way too hard for what they're supposed to be doing today. Um, I've also seen fear become a problem for athletes interpreting sensations. They might be, this hurts. I'm not supposed to go this hard for this long. And they back off before they actually um, carried through with the, the work they were supposed to get that day. So I think you know, when they're learning these sensations and cues and definitions, there's these barriers that we have to educate them as well. You know, um, someone, we might say, Hey, that's okay. It's supposed to hurt for that long. Or, you know, you, it's a, you're going to be a little bit more tired for this. And so normally this feels easy, but today it's going to feel just a little bit harder. And I think if, if athletes can understand that and be okay with that, it also helps develop that, that sort of, you know, toolbox of what to expect. So I'm gonna, yeah. So I've got my list of, of how I do various paces because I don't use zones that often, you know, I often, for a few people, I use heart rate to make sure they go easy enough, you know, and sometimes we like roughly talk about power, but it's not a specific number too often. So we're kind of aware of the ballpark, but I use race efforts. Um, and so like a 200 swim race effort or a sprint distance, a 750 or an Olympic distance, a half Ironman. And, and that goes for the bike as well. And the bike, I often do even shorter ones. Cause essentially like VO two max effort is like eight to 12 minutes all out on the bike. So I kind of use that as a VO two effort, but the point is what you were saying is you might be fresher, easier. So I use those race efforts. So I'll say go at 40 K, but I know they're going to be too fresh. So I say, or a little bit easier. 
right? Or, or you say, oh, they're going to be kind of like, I need them to get the effort in, but I think they're going to be kind of tired that day or go a little bit harder. And I like kind of nudge them towards the direction of trying to push themselves. And, so, and like, depending, sometimes I actually say, or a little bit easier um, because they're inclined to go too hard or somebody's inclined to go too easy. And you kind of have to read the situation week to week. But I think that's a, that's a great point you had is essentially like you might be pushing a little too hard or too easy. And it's our job as the coach to kind of like try to figure out which way we need to nudge them and then nudge them slightly. I really, what's really great about what you just said, Elliot is, and I was sitting here like smiling inside is that, you know, this is but not outside. <laughs> not outside. The, you know, what's cool though, is that, you know, nowadays there's so many things for people. There's, there's a million programs out there and, you know, we've got trainer road and we've got Zwift and all these things. And then what do I need a coach for? Well, this, you just made a really good point in that, you know, everything you were saying there is just plain old good coaching, right? I mean, you know, your athlete, you've been working with them for a long time and you understand what it is you're trying to get them out of them that day. And not only do you know their interpretation of the definition you gave them and what their sensations are going to be that day. And you can coach them through what it is you're trying to get out of them that day. And you know them well enough to say, like, I'll do that with some, if I know an athlete's like a really aggressive athlete, I'll use words in their training peaks that I know is going to kind of keep the reins in and say like, we got to, we got to hold this athlete back all the time. So I would never say to an aggressive athlete that goes hard all the time, we're going to go all out today. Cause if they go all out, they're probably going to blow a hamstring or something like, I'm, so you might say tempo, but it might sound different. It might be, we're going to hold back. We're going to relax. Like you use different keywords with coaching to mm-hmm. get that. And so it comes back to that same full circle of conversation of everyone's on the same page of the terminology you use. And as a coach athlete, that's the real fine art part of coaching is that we're always looking, knowing our athlete knowing what their interpretation of that is, but then knowing their personality to say, Hey, like, I'm going to make sure this person holds back a little today, or I'm going to make sure that they give it a little harder day. You maybe got someone who's afraid of going hard, or they don't understand how to break through those barriers. So you're really kind of up their ass to go all out. And you're like, you need to go all out. And they don't really understand what that means. And then when they finally do, and the the numbers actually match it, you're like, yay, you actually like, that's what all out feels like. And they're like, holy crap, that hurt, you know? So, um, so I think that's, you know, what you said there is like a really important part of this conversation. I feel like I, I lack a little finesse in that. I'll just be like, Hey, you go too hard. So don't go like, don't start this out too hard whatever you do, just don't, don't start out too hard. I want this to be threshold. Don't start out at VO2. Well, but, but the various, depending on who you're talking to, to, to Marilyn's point, that might be exactly what they need to hear. Yeah. yeah right. But you, I you might just, just say like, Hey, chill out. This is only, you know, this is supposed to be hard, but it's not supposed to be hard two minutes in. It's supposed to be, you know, and then depending on that athlete and what they deem comfortable or, you know, and then there's very, like, you also have to keep in mind that, an athlete can say one thing and be a hundred percent thinking one thing and say, I am comfortable. And they may in fact be comfortable, but they might need to be more comfortable. And that's when like a lot of times looking at power, looking at heart rate data can be useful. And you say, yeah, we see you're comfortable, but also if you look at this workout and this often happens in longer workouts, oh, if we look at how your speed trends um, come hour four, you're going slower. And let's remember, we're not solving for heart rate and we're not solving for power. We're solving for speed. 
Um, and that's what we have to keep in mind when we're going through these various zones. So sometimes you do have to, to be really upfront about that. Yeah. And you know, that's what was cool about the other point that you just said there, Jesse, is that as a coach, if you're trying to help an athlete um, develop these cue sensations within their body and, and they are always going a little bit too hard and you're noticing that you're having a repeated conversation about, you know, you always start out too hard and they think, well, no, it's easy. And it becomes an argument. You can start to develop cue words for them that are going to trend that you start to see translate into the, the performance that you want. So it might be, you know, I really want you to relax into this. I really want you to start out gingerly and build momentum. And so then they start to develop a different feel for what that is going to be like. And instead of you say, you know, right now you shoot out of a cannon and then we see a slow decline. And so they like, oh, that's that they can kind of get a, a visual for what that might look like. And then the sensations will translate into that. And you say something like, like I say, you're going to start out really gingerly. And then we're going to snowball it into something that feels like you're working just a little bit more. And to them, you know, as a coach that that is going to be going to produce what it is you're looking for, but they're going to, that's going to help them develop these sensations that we're talking about in relationship to the term that you use. And then when they get it, you say, that's what tempo is. That's what I'm looking for. So every time I say tempo, I say 70%, that's how I want you to approach this workout. And that's, I think that's how we develop our athletes and and get them through those humps. Um, So that's, you know, it's good that you said that. What's a way I'm actually, cause we just went through a pretty big way of like how we each kind of talk people down of going too easy. So like, what's, what do you guys do to put someone to the point where like, I, I know I've definitely said it before, but I'm like, if you're throwing up in your mouth and you're crying a little bit, that's okay. You know, like as of, you know, like rep, whatever, you know, and, and that's just like part of the game, you know, it's like, if, if there's a little bit of pee coming out, cause you can't hold it in and you know, you're wondering what the hell is going on and if you're going to still be alive okay, we hit the point we're trying to like, what are some of the words you guys use or the, the ways you guys talk people through the, because tempo could get you right there if you do enough of it, right? Or whatever, let's just say the word threshold, uh, FTP threshold, whatever that hour all out pace is. If you're doing enough reps of that, that gets very challenging. So you're talking about more like VO2 and, and like when you're you're trying to teach people how to go hard and like be okay Well, but also like, let's let's say you were... Let's say you hit that cut point in any, any, as long you you hit that cut point at any intensity level, as long as the duration is long enough, right? Correct. Yeah. And so when you're doing enough reps of something, and let's say this is a big key workout, or maybe it's just a standard key workout, but that person has trouble getting to that level and you're, and you're like looking at the data and you're like, I never see the fade off or I never see like heart rate getting close to what might be max, right? Like five hours of tempo or like 75 minutes at threshold where like, you should be like totally like blown by now, but you're maybe not quite working hard enough to get there. Yeah. Cause you could do that same thing with, you know, with iron, well, it'd be kind of hard to do with Ironman pace cause it'd take all day, but anything half Ironman pace or faster, you can get there in a, in a standard workout. So what are some ways you guys get those people there? I really try and like, make failure. Okay. I, I really try and say, okay, like I want you to do this workout. And then if, if you fail partway through like eight out of 10 reps, seven out of 10 reps, that's fine. Like, let's just, uh, 
let's see if we can find that line where you crack. And if you crack at number two, then that's okay too. But if, if you can make it all the way to eight or nine before you crack, that's great. If you make it till 10, that's great too. But yeah, I just, I like to let everybody know like, okay, Hey, you know, this, this workout, you could fail, but that's okay. I want you to go hard enough so that like that might actually happen. And Do you try to encourage the failure? Like this workouts in a, is a success if you fail. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't go, quite go that far, but I really just like to, to make it known that like, that's okay. And like, you know, I, maybe I may, I let them know that like you, you probably won't make it all the way through nine and 10. So you need to be working hard enough that like by like seven or eight, you feel like absolute death and maybe you don't get the last ones, but, but yeah, I just, I really like to make them feel comfortable with the fact that like failing is an option. And so that tends to remove some of that fear. Cause like, usually they're like, Oh, I need to get through all 10, like no matter what. Um, so, so yeah, sometimes that works. Marilyn? I've actually had that exact same conversation with athletes where I'll say like, don't, you know, I'll say right up front, don't worry if we see us a, a decline through these reps at, at, for this session. I don't want you to pace them at all. Like just go as hard as you can and let's see how many you can get. And, um, so I think it's just uh, having those kinds of conversations when it's really, really hard, um, making it okay that like you say, making it okay to go very, very hard. Um, and what I think people get, you know, they get scared when it hurts and saying like, that's that sensation right there is what's required. And I'll, I'll change, you know, give them little cue phrases. Like that's the sensation required to go this fast, you know, like, make them comfortable with, you know, the, the cheesy saying, be uncomfortable or be comfortable with being uncomfortable, those kinds of things. And, um, I think that's gonna, you know, just make it okay. And they break through their, those barriers and know that, you know, okay, have a, have a little recovery, go again, have a little recovery, go again, try. You might only get five reps this time. Next time you get six, next time you get seven, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I know one thing, the being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Well, I know when I raced bikes, like if you watch enough bike racing, you'll see somebody like in a break or something and they have to stay with that group and it's a small break and they'll be like, Oh, so-and-so is dropped, but he's a professional or she's a professional. So she'll get back on the wheel. And it's cause it's literally that person's job. And I've definitely been in plenty of breakaways where like my whole point of being there is to make other teams have to chase me, even though my odds of making it are slim to none. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there like, I have one thing to do. I came here all the way. I'm four hours into this race. I have, I literally have to stay on this wheel or else everyone on my team wasted their time. Right. And so you just do it and you don't have a choice. And I think when you take that mindset or in, in the other thing that I think helps a lot of people is you kind of remind them your body will stop you before you die. Like you just, you won't die. You're not going to die. And and the way that like your brain works and uses sugar to work, you're, you have sugar left. You're not going to die. All that's going to happen is slow down. So if you can forcibly make yourself continue going, you're going to be okay. You know, and like you might slow down, but if it's a workout, that's kind of like an okay place to go because the worst thing that will happen is you'll slow down. And so when you're in a workout, like that's a great time to kind of like practice failing and be like, oh, this is this is where I fail on whatever kind of rep you're trying to do, whether it's a VO two rep or a threshold rep or a half Ironman rep where you just eventually you run out of juice. Um, 
I don't know. That's kind of, I like to remind people like that you're not going to die. And this is the reason why, and this is how your brain functions. Um, and sometimes I feel like that rational thought, like helps people be comfortable with the fact that, Oh, this is what my body can do. Yeah. It's good to take the fear of death out of there. Nobody wants to die in a workout. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but I'm just like, Oh, well, you know, like where's this, like eventually if it's bad, like your hamstring will cramp or like, you know, like, but it's not going to be damaging. It's no, just going to yeah. be really uncomfortable. I support worst case scenario. It's one of my favorite <laughs> games. It's, uh, uh, the other thing I like to do too, is, is chunk it up into like really small bits. If I have an athlete who's struggling to hit really, really high power or, or, you know, run it like a, even like a 5k pace or some people like, you know, if they're not used to that kind of like pain, if you will, but if I can chunk things down to like two hundreds on the track or even one hundreds where we do a lot of them, but they get a little bit of break, then they can kind of develop that feel of like, you know, like for Elliot's sake, they, they realize they're not going to die when they can do whatever 2100s at, at a pretty fast clip. So then you can kind of start pushing those together and say, okay, like now you're just going to hold that sensation for a little longer. And yeah, it's going to feel a little bit worse because you're going for longer, but kind of like that slow intro where now you can do it. Now let's do more of it. Yeah. And, and stair step your way up. So even if you are starting at hundreds, eventually you build yourself to K's. And if you can do, if it's somebody who's really having difficulty, maybe they do a workout with really spaced out, you know, seven by a K at five K place for somebody who really nails it and probably goes a little too hard is a crazy workout. But for someone who's really uncomfortable and is perfectly pacing, that's actually a great workout. Cause it reminds them, Oh, I did seven K of something I'm going to try to do for five K. Yeah, I think with the hard stuff, it's mostly just about educating people that they're exactly what we keep saying over and over again is that it's okay. And these things that pop up, like you might cramp, you, you're going to be breathing really, really hard. You might even be gasping for air. Um, you know, all of these, you're going to feel sensations in your legs that feel incredibly unmanageable. You think you just can't hold on and, and that that's okay. Like hold on for as long as you can, one more second, one more second. And just the more you, it's like anything, it's repetitions of getting comfortable with that, that like you're saying, Jesse, in little increments, or, you know, if it, it, if it takes a little bit of a longer rep for them to hit that point, you say, when you hit that point, it's okay. You know, you're just keep, keeps pressing against that gas a little bit and, and making it all right. Then, then they learn that, you know, and they learn, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. And, and they get stronger and stronger from it. I yeah. will tell you a per, sorry, a real quick personal story is I was doing Redlands once, which is a big bike race in, in the U.S. And on the last day, there's a circuit called the Sunset Loop, which is absolutely brutal. And this is where like testing and stuff can kind of get in the way is I knew all my numbers, all those kinds of things. And I was going up one of the climbs and I looked down, I was way above anything I should ever do. Heart rate, power, all of that. And I just kept staring at the wheel in front of me. And I just didn't even look at, you know, look at the numbers and I kept thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to hold this. And then I just went, just stare at the damn wheel in front of you. And I, and it was that click over, Hey, I'm okay. Like I, I'm okay. I can hold this a little longer. I can hold this a little longer. And, and before I knew it, I got through it. So I think it's, it is sometimes just getting over those hurdles of thinking what you can handle. And, and then when you do, it's the success of being able to handle it, that you realize how hard you can go and that you won't die. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that the, those situations you guys are talking about where you're, you're not worried about what you're doing. You're just like, okay, well, this is what I need to do. Cause the situation that I'm in, like basically being forced to by other people is, um, 
is a great way to, to learn that you can go harder than you think you can. And whether it's in a bike race or on a group ride, or even if you just say like, hopefully there'll be some more local running races coming back, um, where you can say, I'm going to jump in the local 5k. And like, you know, I know there's some faster guys in me and I'm going to hold on to them as long as I can, but getting in those situations where you have like some really powerful motivation to go way out of your comfort zone. Um, I used to train with a guy and we would make him like turn his watch upside down. Cause he would look at it and decide it was too hard and just back away. But if he didn't look at it, he could stay with us just fine. Name names. Uh, Eric Mello, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, Eric, JV All-Stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I think all those, those tricks are actually really good to, to teach yourself what you actually can do. I mean, if I stared at my power meter in the shootout, I would be like, oh, I got to I've got to turn around and go home. I can't even be here, but yeah. Um, so finding situations where you can practice that and then going back later and be like, Oh, I just rode my heart rate at 185 for how many minutes in a row. And like, maybe this is something I can, I can do. And then next time, you know, like say you go to that 5k running race and you run with faster people for a while and you have that experience and you can kind of extrapolate that feeling that you had to workouts after that and maybe execute them like a little closer to to your potential, which is, I'd say one of the goals we're looking for here. And I think this is something I, I'm about to throw an unnamed person under the bus, but like you can get better at this stuff. And so for instance, I was once on a, it was like 110 mile training ride. I don't know how much vertical, but a fair bit. And it was with my least favorite cycling teammate ever. And it's not because he's a bad person. It's, and it wasn't you because you would never, you can't ride in the races I rode in. Um, you gotta be able to do some accelerating Jesse. Anyways, now I threw two people under the bus. The point is we're on this long ride and we're getting ready for some long, really hard hilly road races. And we're just getting into the point where you're just swapping poles going really fast. And he was complaining because his Watts while riding my wheel were too high, you know, and he's, I'm doing X amount of Watts. And I specifically remember him saying, I'm doing 320 Watts and I'm on your wheel. And I'm just thinking, who cares what your power is because you're talking to me and you're fine. And it was just kind of like that situation where he was, he was giving up because of a number, not because of what he was clearly capable of doing. And like it took other people on the ride basically who were all just like, who cares? And then it was just like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to go harder now because it's clear you're talking to me. You're not gasping for air. We're going harder because the whole point of this is we're trying to get used to what this race is going to require. And this race is going to require us <laughs> to accelerate at the point where we think we can barely pedal and to kind of get into that mindset. And this is not saying I'm perfect because certainly I've had weak points too on a ride, but you can practice that and put that self in your situation and you don't have to be perfect on the day, but you can kind of take a deep breath. Maybe you see a number, maybe you cover it up, maybe you don't. And then you just say, you know, just like Marilyn said, I'm just going to get to the next sign point and then we'll figure it out from there. Um, but I think, I think we started wanting to talk about training sensations and we're, we've turned it into a conversation about don't, don't give up and keep going. <laughs> Well, well and, and learning how to go hard, hard, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's hard, yeah. I mean, yeah. But. We could swing it completely the other way of, we had, you know, we had almost a whole podcast on this. So I don't think we need to talk about it too much, but it's like going easy enough on the easy stuff. Because because like I said earlier, like all of these critical points of effort 
are very clear if we were just all like laying in a lab and or we all just went around with a lactate tester the whole time, you know, then then that becomes really, really clear. But, um, you know, going probably the most common mistake with triathletes. I don't think I, I don't know too many triathletes who struggle with going too hard. Most of them do go too hard and we spend our career holding people back so that they don't hurt themselves and they can actually keep training and to get can better. I get an amen? <laughs> they, they, people like to go hard. Yeah. I think the one that we, I think that's a little bit harder finesse to develop is, and we've, like I said, talked about a lot of is going easy enough on easy days or the aerobic days, you know, because that's, that's the tricky one. Um, people tend to go too hard on that and, and they end up in a little bit of a different energy system. And then they're a little bit too tired to actually go hard. And we run into all kinds of development problems when, when we get into that. So it's, you know, developing that sensation of what, what really is easy enough to be going aerobic um, versus, you know, actually breaking into that tempo zone where, and if you looked at it on in data, it'd be like, okay, they just started to burn sugar for fuel. Lactate's just a little bit over. And the problem with that is that then we're, we're not really developing the aerobic system. We're not developing your ability to burn fat for fuel. And we're also going to be a little bit too far, tired to really go hard enough on the hard days. So, um, you know, really making sure that an athlete understands what aerobic means that's a, that's a really hard one to get people to understand. I generally, if I'm riding with them and they don't understand, I just literally ride up beside them and grab their pocket and pull them backwards. <laughs> Going too hard, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jesse, um, I was just going to say like, and if you're going to give that in zones for someone who thinks in zones, you'd, you'd call that like zone two and three, like that, that kind of cusp, like you don't want to cross over that. Oh, I would say one or two personally, like from, from two to three. Would be like, you oh yeah. You're like, three. that's where, depending on who you're talking to, you might be in sweet spot and you need to be going easy, <laughs> right. um, to bring it full circle. I, and I know for like a lot of people, it's somewhere like if you're going to look at like heart rate reserve, um, and, and percentage of heart rate max and heart rate reserve are different, but they're kind of close. But for most people, they would say like easy is below 70 or maybe 65 depending, depending on what you're doing. Um, and that, and that's a good place to start. And then geez, FTP, I guess it's 70, right? 75, depending on who you're talking to and how strong they are. I think that's the other thing you have to keep in mind. The stronger you are, the higher your FTP is. I feel like the lower percentage of FTP you ride at to have it be considered easy. You gave me a funny look. And aerobic Jesse. is different than easy in my mind. Right. Yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true too. That is very true. Okay. We need to define that. Yeah. No, I think like zone one being easy, which is like where I like to ride and nobody else does. And then zone two what being like, me? I do. All right, maybe I just don't I, ride enough anymore. Well, no, but what is that? Is that really zone one though? I don't know. Like <laughs> it's not zone one for me, but it is for you. <laughs> but then zone two is like where nobody likes to ride. Cause it's like kind of hard, but like not actually like, you don't feel like you're making any like really good progress. And then zone three is like tempo, which fades a little Oh, so this is that. a great point though. We should talk about this because Jesse's a professional triathlete and he rides with a lot of strong riders. Zone two, if you're going like a percentage of FTP or heart rate, like if we're going by percentage of FTP, if you're, if you're doing 300 Watts 
for an hour, or I don't know what you can do now, but let's pretend it's 300 because it's an even number. And you say, I'm going to do 75% or less because of my FTP, that's 225 watts. And it turns out 225 watts is a fair amount of power output. And if you're talking to someone whose FTP is 400, like, so I've coached some people whose FTP is over 400. And so then why would they, they they're not going to ride 300 watts for their easy ride. It's like a, it's a tremendous amount of load and they can't necessarily handle that much load. So if you are a soup, like putting out huge amounts of power, you can't necessarily use that percentage of FTP for like easy and your zones all of a sudden like shift easier, but the hard stuff still stays hard. Um, and it's like where you are in that zone, right? Yeah. Cause you're looking at like, say right at that top end of zone too. Like if you know, say my FTP, yeah, it's actually, it's right around 300. So like for me to ride at like 225 Watts would be like, let's call that the very, the cusp of my zone too. Like that'd be really hard for me. I would be really annoyed to sit there for a really long time, but well, gonna, you could do it, but it would almost, it would be too taxing. Yeah. So, but like you go to like the low end, like say 60% of my FTP still being kind of in like zone two, that might be like more reasonable for me to like hang out in. And the yeah. less developed athletes, it's exact opposite, right? Yep. I mean, you're gonna you because they'll end up, you know, going along too easy, and and not really getting what they need in their zone two ride. So you kind of have to push them just a little bit more. It's not gonna they they need to work a little harder in those zone two rides to actually to get stronger. So if you're you know if you don't have an athlete that's really strong, um, and they need to be pushed a little bit along in that zone, then so it is different. I mean the the difference that is good coaching again, knowing the difference between working with a really strong athlete that's highly developed and an athlete that maybe isn't quite as strong at one of those specific sports. And you're still trying to gain that strength on, on how to direct. We could go full circle back to like direct what you're trying to get out of them that day is really important. That's why just pulling something off of a computer doesn't necessarily work because if you just pulled off, I'm going to do a four hour or five hour zone two ride today and plugged it in. And that's what you went and followed. Like you say, you'd be wrecked then it'd wreck your training. Right. But so having good coaching to understand that versus someone who maybe their FTP is like 140 or 150 Watts, you wouldn't have them ride at, you know, 60, 70 Watts for four hours. You'd say, we need to keep the Watts above hundred, you know, which is going to be a way higher percentage, but that's good coaching. You understand that that athlete needs to push the pace along a little bit if they're going to get stronger on the bike. So that's the big difference between just computers and coaches, I guess. And, and to put some of that onus on the athletes, I always really try and like pressure my athletes to, to ask questions. If they don't understand, let's say why we're doing something or like what, what exactly I'm trying to get out of it. Cause you know, I'm not always crystal clear, it turns out. And so having them ask those questions about like, how hard should this be? And then we can have that dialogue. And I, I think that, so if you are an athlete and you have a coach, I really think it's important to ask those questions and then you, you know, you guys can talk about what that should feel like. And, and that can always, you know, that can always make things a little bit more clear for you and help you execute the workout better. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that if you are an athlete, you're not understanding, ask your coach. And the other part about that is, especially if you're a newer athlete and you ask your coach, ask them again in a couple months, because if you're getting stronger, everything kind of changes as you get stronger. And, and so like we talked about kind of like the way fast end and the way easier end, and there's a bunch of spots in the middle and you're going to kind of constantly progress. And sometimes like, let's say you take a break or you get injured or you get sick, you like regress as well. 
And then, and then if you're paying attention as a coach, you have to like make that like, oh, okay, well, you just came off your off season or, you know, you haven't trained as much, you know, you took a year off after being really serious for a while. And so you're hard training. now. Yeah. And then you <laughs> have to like hard. back it off. So like me personally, like obviously I, I used to race quite a bit and now I'm in terrible shape. And like, I am fully into the Elliot has two speeds and like Erica has talked to me about it and she's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm trying to do some of her intervals and she's like, you're going super hard. And I was like, well, I only have one option anymore. Like I don't have a tempo, like, you know, I just go as hard as I can. And then I'm ruined and I'm on the couch for a day or two. It's a good time. Um, but, and then I go out and I can ride easy. And, um, but that's because I haven't done the work for the last many years. And so you can regress and you have to keep in mind when, if, if I had a coach and I was talking to him, then it would be, or her, I, I would have to kind of, update that dialogue as to what range I'm working in. So. Awesome. Well, I don't know if we made anything more clear or we just muddled the waters for people, but, clear uh, as mud. Clear as mud. <laughs> but either way, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. I liked yeah, really, it. Really fun conversation. I think the main takeaway that just to hammer at home and, and you said it nicely, Jesse, is that just making sure that, whatever your workout is that day that you're clear on what it is you're trying to achieve. And, and, you know, you're always learning what those sensations are in order to do that. And it's okay to make mistakes. You know, you're, you're not going to get it perfect every time. It's going to change a little bit depending on what's going on, maybe even in your life or just, um, you know, as you develop all of these things. So it's, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving, um, skill set in sport, you know, and I think it's just an important continuing conversation between coach and athlete. And, um, it's part of the development too. So, so that's like a fun thing to just, the reason it's still clear as mud and there is so much out of there is because it's a constant, it's a constant piece of the development between coaches and athletes. And, um, and it might, you know, it changes over time. Yeah. I mean, it changes with so many things. Right. But, but yeah, I think, you know, learning from each of those successes or failures from workouts is, is how you can kind of keep honing in on, on how you interpret your own sensations and, you know, develop yourself as an athlete. Well said. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I enjoyed spending the afternoon with you guys. You as well. And, um, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend to, to listen and, um, you know, you can, you can reach out to us at all the various social medias. If you have questions, are we going to put our names up? I'm, I'm Elliot Bassett at Elliot Bassett and at, uh, mdnendurance.com. And Mountain I'm Marilyn and that you can find me just all my stuff. You can find at, uh, mcc.coach type that in. You'll, it'll pull everything up. Yeah. And I'm uh, topsteptraining.com or Jesse at topsteptraining. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thank guys. you. Have a good one.